Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tepitabai. I'm joined by Dr. Justin Quinn. This episode of the Celtics Lab Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network and BetterHelp. You deserve to be happy. I am sitting courtside at TD Garden, a place I did not expect to be because if we're being honest, I thought the Celtics were going to roll over and either get swept or gentlemen swept. And instead, we have a game six on our hands behind what was a pretty emphatic Celtics win. Dr. Quinn, I'm going to double down. I'm pretty surprised. What about you? I'd be lying if I told you I wasn't surprised, uh, but I can't wait to talk about defense. <laughs> yeah, neither could the Celtics post-game. That was the first and last thing they wanted to dwell on. And uh, specifically, Marcus Smart gets the shout-out because, as Jason Tatum said, Smart diving on the floor, the first play of the game, set the table. He said it was, quote-unquote, contagious. So, uh, yeah, I think defense was was the biggie here. I just I was talking to our friend Bobby Kravitsky from SI, and he was like, am I going to see you on Monday? As in, will they force a Game 7? And at this point, I just I don't know what to think. Uh, maybe Miami is the team we thought they were in the regular season. Maybe the Celtics are the team we thought they were in the regular season. Maybe not. Uh, so... I will offer my best analysis, but I will also tip my hand a little bit and say I'm pretty surprised, uh, all things being equal. Yeah, I have been tooting the horn of this being a team that has mistaken itself for an offense first team that is actually a defense first team. Mm -hmm. But tonight, maybe more than any night in the entire season, they really drove that point home. And I think that, you know, without knowing – if there even is any conflict in the locker room, I feel like the conflict was relatively minor, and that was what the conflict probably was. I, if there was conflict, like look, one if. of two, one of two things is happening: either there was conflict, and the Celtics are very good actors, or there was not conflict because both Tatum and Brown post game reasonably unprompted talked about how much they trust the people. Uh, Tatum said something to the effect of, I can look to my left, I can look to my right, and I know that that person is ready to go the distance. Jalen Brown talked about how he said this is a dogfight several times. People are ready to land a punch. Um, I take Tatum at his word that he quit Twitter for the postseason. I'm not really sure if Jalen Brown could quit Twitter if he wanted to, but I kind of do believe that they're, they're not listening to the commentary or hanging on its every word, and so that they, on their own, said, look, I... I trust the people around me matters. Um, so I think it is a happy locker room. I think it's an unhappy locker room when they lose. I think that they really wear that on their sleeve, but I don't think that that, that becomes interpersonal. I don't even think like if there is any disagreement or was any disagreement over how the Celtics should be playing, that it was particularly pointed. I just think it was a philosophical dif- difference that really plays into how they play in a positive way when they execute in either direction, they just happen to be less likely to get into a slump when they emphasize defense. Yeah. No, I mean, their entire rhythm gets thrown off when they get scored on, and then they do this to the refs. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's it's got to be defense first. I mean, I don't know that Joe Mazzula uh, uh, thinks that necessarily, but certainly he uh, is happy that they're playing defense and he strives. I think he's just... We talk a lot about Missoula ball and like advanced analytics offense. I think he's just don't be a schmuck is like really his mantra. I think it's just there are little things you have to do correctly in basketball to give yourself a chance to win. And then the math comes in or the shot making comes in or whatever. And so much of that is not necessarily like 
grit and grind hold teams to 80 points defense, but it's don't be a Dumbo on defense. Well, he did make a point of emphasizing it during one of the uh, sideline interviews uh, in the middle of the game somewhere. Hmm. But I really think we should just talk about the fact that at least from where I was sitting at home, uh, I think that Coach Spo got outcoached. Yeah, you haven't. Well, first of all, yes, but also Spo pulled pulled the plug in the fourth quarter, so it's a little bit of a. He can afford to. Incomplete. Yeah, Yeah, he can afford to. Um, I don't know that he got outcoached. I think a really interesting dynamic played out that could continue to play out, which is with Gabe Vincent being injured, Miami Uh, started with Struce, Lowry, and Kevin Love in the starting lineup. This is just not a deep team. And that's... Those are three negative players on defense at this point. Um, maybe on any individual play, they can they can get big, and Lowry and Love are very... And Struess, they're very crafty, but uh, overall, they're not going to be very good at defense in the aggregate. And uh, so I don't think Spo got outcoached because I just don't think he has as many uh, tools in the tool chest, so to speak. Um, he, I, Missoula was quicker with timeouts. No one, to my knowledge, asked him about that postgame, mm-hmm. although I'm... I missed half of his presser because of the, the elevator. Um, but I I want to give Spo the out because his team was down early and fast, and part of it was personnel. That's where he's supposed to be the, the best coach in the NBA. And uh, tonight, he was not the best coach in the NBA. That might not be all his fault, but he was not the best coach in the NBA tonight. No. That's and awesome. I, I, at the very well... Uh, or at the very least, I'd like to point out something you have in our notes, which is Joe, Joe Missoula will be the head coach next season. Um, I think so, right? Well, no, first of all, I, I totally agree. I think, A, the, there were a lot of overreactions last week. And, Miz, and Missoula had a cute quote, um, and actually he was paraphrasing one of the assistants um, that he didn't name. But he said, one of the things we said was, look, we had a bad week last week. Sometimes you have a bad week on your job, and you rebound. And... Boston stitched together three really bad games, but the calendar turned over. Maybe they have a word of the day calendar or something. And uh, we're, we're on to the next one. So uh, I think the short-term memory approach is really powerful for Joe um, and for the Celtics team because they're pretty good at dwelling on the past, um, but it looks like they're, they're moving on from that. So uh, A, no, Joe Mazzulu was not going to lose his job because of one week of bad basketball. But B... Even if they lose in the next game, this just softens the edges. Like however much Brad Stevens cares to be disagreeable or not, or the ownership cares to be disagreeable or not, um, there was going to be a lot of really negative commentary around this team if they got swept in the way it looks like they're about to. So I don't think that one bad week or one bad series should cost a new coach their job, but certainly the calculus is different. Now, if they were but, swept in the way he appeared resistant to change, he might have. But I think that, particularly with what we saw tonight, you know, not just the timely uh, timeouts, but the overall job that Joe did, I think, showed that he was willing to lean into the defensive success that he found. And to me, showing that you are willing to change very quickly how you are going to approach your job uh, under a high-stakes situation, that bodes well for the future. And it wasn't much like what he needed to do to quiet all of us down 
really was just being a little bit more responsive to his players and to the situation he was in. And I think he did that. I mean, you know my stance on this. I, I, I disagree insofar as he's not missing the shots and creating the turnovers. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, that's a whole other issue. Yeah. Um, and to that end, Miami had 16 turnovers. This is the second game in a row where Boston has held onto the ball much more carefully. I mean, they still had 10. It wasn't perfect, but um, they're definitely holding onto the ball uh, much better. And they shot 40-something and change from three, which is not you know, peak Golden State Warriors, but it's certainly good enough. Um, and it falls into that category of when they shoot a certain number of threes and a sh- certain clip, they're almost unstoppable. Let's do this. Let's pause the action and talk about our friends over at FanDuel. And then we're, we'll, I mean, we have a lot more to talk about, so we'll keep talking about this game, but then we'll also try to preview game six. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Boston was uh, a minus 330 at one point today. And that's what's been so confounding is the analytics say, you know, this is a team to bet on. And you should use FanDuel, America's number one sports book, if you plan on betting on them. But there's just those intangibles make it so hard to understand. Is Jimmy Butler going to, you know, spank them in public or are they going to shoot the lights out? That, that, that early tech on Jason Tatum, I was shook for a hot second because I thought that, that we were going to need some no sweat first bets <laughs> after that. Yeah, uh, it, it certainly had the feel of that, but they turned around really quickly. Anyways, um, there's no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash Boston. Get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. You must be 21 or older in select states. First online real money wager only $10 deposit is required. A refund is issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com sportsbook. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG for Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. Call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. Call 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit gamblerhelpma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts. Visit Maryland or mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Call one eight seven seven eight hope ny or text hope ny four six seven three six nine for new york call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in wyoming or visit one eight hundred gambler.net in west virginia all righty uh a little more on the game and i will say um just because i think some listeners are interested in how the sausage gets made um i'm looking at bobby manning from clns i'm looking at jared weiss from the athletic I'm looking at Chris Forsberg and Abby Chin from NBC Sports Boston. I can see Corrales over there. And then there's all the national TV guys doing their hits. So first of all, it's, if you are watching on YouTube and you're, I look like a prairie dog or a meerkat, it's because there's a lot going on that is distracting. But also, we recognize that you have, as I just mentioned, a lot of places to get your Celtics coverage. So thanks to coming to us. Go to them too, but come to us first and uh, like and subscribe to, uh, to our podcast. Anyways, Dr. Quinn... I haven't seen the like ESPN stats and info stat or stat news stat, but 
four Celtics players scores 21 points or more. Um, and it was 21 for Brown, 21 for Tatum, 23 for Smart, 24 and White. Just like a really strangely balanced scoring attack. Pick one of those guys you want to talk about because uh, they did it pretty equally tonight. I think I'll go with Jalen just because of the fact that he hasn't had a good game yet in this series. And while he wasn't like the star by any means, he really wasn't a star in this game. This was a good game for Jalen. His three-point shot was wet. He only charged into the teeth of the defense surrounded by three players, I think twice. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, no, three times because one time it actually worked, which is weird. Uh, but generally speaking, there was very little to critique of his game, and his defensive effort was good for the most part, which was another issue that was really lacking, lacking in the last couple of games. Um, Derek White, though, I, I do want to give him a shout-out, too. Hold on. I just have to say, and as far as backhanded compliments go, that was perfect. <laughs> well, no, because like he's such a good player, and he's been so absent in this series, and really he just like dialed in on a couple of things he does really well while trying to actively avoid some of the things he does not very well, mm-hmm. and it paid off huge. I mean, that's really the only – he's so talented, that's all he needs to do when he's not rattled by his own defense, which seems to bug all of the Celtics. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm pulling your leg a little bit. I mean, Jason. No, but I, I needed mean, to give him a little bit more love because he deserved it. Sure. And I, I will recommend it in advance. People go find, hopefully, Celtics Wire's right up on Jalen Brown's post-game commentary because – this is anecdotal and armchair psychologist e, so it's it's a little precarious. But he, Jalen, and Jason gave a really, really like especially smart and dialed in presser in a way that it makes me think their leadership is leveling up. Like the ways that they analyze the game, the way they analyze their teammates and themselves was lacking in cliches. And as Justin knows, I pedal cliches with the best of them. Um, it was really specific. Sports yeah, it was specific and honest. It was really fascinating. I'm, I'm curious about this dynamic of whether or not they're on, on the fly changing their leadership. Um, I cut you off uh, talking about Derek White. I'm going to cut you off again and do another ad read, but then I want to hear your thoughts on Derek White. And I want to talk to our listeners about BetterHelp, which is an online, flexible, convenient service that helps pair you with a licensed therapist using the computer or an app, if you like. Um, and... We think it's a really great product. We think that therapy can be a difficult thing to find or to get started with, and BetterHelp helps break down those barriers. It starts with a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time with no additional charge. That's obviously um, a really important selling point because that's not always the case when you're trying to talk to a licensed therapist. So uh, whether you're looking to discover your potential or you're down in the dumps or somewhere in between, why don't you visit betterhelp.com slash seltlab and you can get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash seltlab. Okay, Dr. Q, Derek White, take it away. Well, at the beginning of the season, I predicted that Derek White was going to shoot 40% from three. He did not, but he, he got pretty close to it in the regular season. And tonight he shot well above that six of eight. He was, a, I think, the second highest uh, player on the team in plus minus at plus 18. He wasn't the key to the game, but there were a couple of threes in this game that were absolutely backbreakers to Miami runs that I don't think we have mentioned enough. I mean, Miami really did try to find a way to marshal the troops several times in this game, and there was always a Celtic shot 
waiting to, to mm -hmm. fend it off. And a lot of those were Derek's. Yeah, my, uh, Boston's biggest lead was 24 points. It hovered around like 17, 18 for a lot of the game. Sometimes it got down to like 11 or 12 or 13. And to your point, Boston rallied back. Um, and Derek and Marcus in particular hit some really timely shots. Um, Miami also only scored 44 points in the first half, just to, to turn it back to defense. Boston looked like themselves on offense, which is an easy thing to quantify and turn into highlights, but they also looked like themselves on defense. And to your point at the top of the episode, that was, that was a way bigger deal. Let's preview game six. Let's give this podcast a little more shelf life. What are the sort of things that you are expecting to see, hopeful to see, worried about seeing in game six? We can bounce a couple of ideas back and forth off one another. I would hope that this kind of defensive intensity would be the foundation once again. But, you know, like watching like how they were getting up into Duncan Robinson when he tried to get around screens, uh, little little details like that. That is what I want to see more of, like much more attention to the little things to get the heat off of their game besides just like basic defensive principles. And then the, the thing to worry about is just Jimmy Butler. Uh, he had a really bad game for Jimmy Butler, a really important game for Jimmy Butler. And this is going to be the most important game, most likely of the series. So on his home court with a chip on his shoulder that he doesn't need to invent something for after that loss, yeah, that's going to be a problem. Yeah, as you're saying that, I have a weird, I like, I don't know, it would be sad if Jimmy Butler has to wear a four out, I mean, a, a three-game series loss. Like if if in all of NBA history, the, the player who coughed up a three-game series lead is Jimmy Butler, that would make me very sad because I love Jimmy Butler. But it's not Jimmy Butler who coughed that up because he has a team and that team is old and thin and three of their starters were undrafted. And if they beat the number two seed Celtics, that will also be something worthy of remembrance uh, by its virtues, so we can't put it on him in the same sort of way. Yeah, but you're implying a level of nuance for sports commentary that doesn't exist. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right that Jimmy Butler should play better. I also didn't think that Bam Adebayo, he had moments, like individual plays, where he was quite effective, uh, but he wasn't the focal point of the offense that I, I feared he was going to be. I mean, again, I think even if Vincent is back, just Miami doesn't have the legs. I mean, we'll see what happens with Brogdon. Brogdon left the game with what they called. I mean, it was scary, but I mean, in terms of what they can do about it right now, that was absolutely the right decision. I think we'll see him again in the similar yeah. capacity. He'll just come out, do what he can until he can't. But the fact that they pulled him before it was very clear he wasn't going to be effective another one of the good good data points for Joe's coaching. And also good data points for Boston and there's way more depth. I mean, they took away the sixth man of the year and Boston didn't blink because Derek White could have been sixth man of the year or Grant Williams in a different timeline could have been sixth man of the year. So yeah, I, I think Miami really played above its potential in the first few games. There's that like kind of parenthetical, like, oh, Boston's a better team. Are they? Yeah, they are. But that doesn't mean that they could be playing worse for four games. Instead of Ma now Miami, look, they can obviously just get one. Jimmy Butler can score 50 points again. Bam Adebayo can be a little more dominant. Boston can go cold. But 
the signs in the past six quarters for uh, this series really point to Boston has the depth and like when their stars are playing like stars, there's not much Miami can do. Um, so that's what I'm looking for in game six is, is Miami going to be able to hobble together enough scoring, but then also is Boston going to maintain its defense? And, and if you presented that as the linchpin of the series before the series began, you'd be like, well, it sounds like Boston's going to moonwalk their way to the finals. And yet here we are, Boston's still down three games to two. Any other thoughts? Game Saturday in Miami. Post game, Jalen said that the only people who could beat the Celtics were the Celtics. And uh, while I do believe that that is great bulletin board material for Jimmy, uh, I also think it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's something we've said a bunch. It's just, yeah, I've never been the star of a basketball team. I play basketball, a good supporting player. I guess I just like don't have the personal experience to like really know what. I guess a peek behind a different curtain is today my writing wasn't very good for Celtics Wire and Justin, my editor, cleaned it up. No, 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 hold on, hold on. Let me let me tell the story. Okay. So my writing, I was sitting there and I said to Jack Simone of, of Bulls Wire and Celtics blog, I just like, I don't have it. Like I can't get the words to come out of my head. And I ended up using a lot of cliches and a lot of adjectives, which is something I'm trying to avoid. And I guess I can understand that experience as a basketball player, which is like, you have a professional goal and in the moment or that hour or that work session, you're finding it hard to actualize your goals and your training and whatnot. I guess it feels a little different because I'm not one of the 15 best basketball writers out there. Um, but I don't but know. you still I, have to write under a deadline or your team is in trouble and you know, you got to produce and sometimes you lean on stuff that isn't necessarily going to help your team win, but it's comfortable. Yeah. And that's what you do when you're panicking. Not that you were I, panicking. No, I, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> so I guess I'm just thinking out loud, like what, what does it mean to be really, no, really it's a good, good analogy. I like it. Sure. Sure. I am the Jalen Brown of blog boying. Um, so I don't know. I, Jason and Jalen are smart, passionate, very talented basketball players who sometimes don't play to their level. And I don't think they have an answer as to why that keeps happening. I don't think anyone does, but it's very possible that it won't happen for two straight games. And the reverse, the corollary of that is uh, they will play very good for two games. And that's hard to handle because they are all NBA forwards. I'm just looking forward to this going to seven games or beyond uh, for the weirdness of having a house guest, an old friend from college, uh-huh. come from Cancun to my house uh, and having to deal with me watch more Celtics games. So I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, bothering him. Sure. I am looking forward to taking care of the dog that just got neutered in Ricky Bobby on Saturday and hopefully presiding over... <laughs> Uh, him not licking off his stitches and a Celtics win. And then Memorial Day at the Garden for a possible game seven. Honestly, I don't know what to expect. I I don't know what to feel about what comes next. And so rather than spin our tires, I'm just going to say the Celtics are great. Miami's good. And so long as Boston uh, holds the keys to the car, they should be able to pull it a win. So 
Thank you very much for listening to this edition of the Celtics Sub Podcast. This episode was brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. By better help, you deserve to be happy. And Dr. Quinn, who is my patient friend and patient editor. And I'm so happy that we're, we're doing this after a win and not a loss. So hopefully the same is true Saturday night, but we'll be there. We'll be here. We won't be there. Uh, but we will be here on the podcast waves. And we'll see you then. Adios.